The Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space Podcast. Created from an atomic fireball hurled from outer space. The Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space Podcast. Threatens man's very existence on Earth. Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space Podcast. Battles Godzilla, Mothra, and Rodan for mastery of the world. Men quake before the terror of their unleashed fury. All new, all never to be forgotten. A new high in visions from Monsterland. Hello everyone, welcome to Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space, the only podcast that is the equivalent to uh, Destroya fighting Gigan in a missile silo in Antarctica. It's never happened, but it should. Anyway, my name is Jerry, joining me as always is 10 out of 10 Derek. Hey man, I just got back from Dan. That's to some shitty J-pop music, you know? Oh, I only danced to Durin Gray. That's the only music out of Japan to me. Or maybe Maximum Hormone. I'll take them all. So, uh, speaking of hormones, Mr. Venom, how are you doing? Damn good. How you doing, Mr. Herring? I can't complain. Well, I can, but that's not why people listen to this podcast. Uh, <laughs> speaking of listening to podcasts, Don, the man, how are you doing? Screonk and Happy New Year, everyone. That is happy right. New Year, too, man. It is uh, 2019, and we are back after taking December off due to uh, me just needing to take some time off uh, for health reasons and diet reasons and uh, other stupid shit that Godzilla would never have to worry about. You never hear Godzilla waking up going, oh, I can't eat that fucking donut because of diabetes and my blood sugar. You never hear him do that. You want to know why? Because he doesn't give a fuck. He has fucking self-regenerating things. He'll just melt down on your ass. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, he just has some crazy heartburn, you know? Yeah. So, uh, today we have a non-Godzilla kaiju movie. Uh, This one picked by Derek, so everyone can blame Derek. We are doing um, Death Kappa from 2010. The Kappa in Japanese folklore are water goblins that are closely associated with a certain town in the country. Unfortunately, the area is also home to a military... A fucking a militant splinter group of researchers dedicated to developing amphibious super soldiers based on the cap of legends. When their experiments result in murder by some escapees, what? That hasn't. The fuck are you talking? Okay, sure. The appearance. <laughs> oh, they. Oh, it wasn't Men in Black that did. Okay, it was. Okay, the appearance of actual Kappa and the triggering of an atomic bomb. The consequences are of epic proportions. I literally just figured out something while reading that that I it was one of my questions and now I'm I've got it. Uh, this movie is directed by Tomo apostrophe O Haraguchi. Um, yeah, they pronounce that uh, Tomo. Do they? Well, they don't need the yeah, extra. It's, 
<laughs> no, you do. You just add an extra O sound on it. Yeah, it's tomo. Wow. Yeah, I think the Skype's making me sound lame, but it's tomo. Yeah, that's it. Okay, well, fair enough. Uh, this dude's pretty big. Uh, he has worked in the Kaiju before this. He uh, was uh, part of the Creature Creator team for Gamer Guardian of the Universe and Gamer 2 Attack of Legion. Um, he also has directed a few things of note. Uh, Ultraman Ginga. Is that how you pronounce that? Ginga? Ginga, yeah. Okay. Theater Spectral Ultra Monster Hero Battle Royale. That is just great. But... <laughs> uh, and, uh, yeah, so uh, who gives a shit about this guy anyway? Uh, he's all right. I don't really have that big of a problem with him. Uh, the movie is featuring uh, a bunch of people, but the only one that really matters is Hideki Anno, in my opinion. And if you think otherwise, well, go fuck yourself. I'll take that back. The chick who does the the voice actress for the American dub, because I watched the American dub, um, she does a voice of uh, Ophelia in... Um, octopath traveler so when i first started listening to this i was like i know this mm-hmm. fucking voice and then i figured it out oh um, yeah another thing uh the connection to ultraman too. uh the lady who plays a grandmother is fuji <laughs> that's fuji from the original ultraman yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. i'd i'd still bang yep. still bang <laughs> grandma fuji i take that um so Okay, so uh, we're going to do it a little bit different this time, guys, because uh, I-, I need a slight walkthrough of this movie because um, this is a weird fucking movie. Um, Derek, you earlier said this is the naked gun of kaiju films, and uh, you should be stoned to death for their insulting naked gun like that. <laughs> uh, it is not at the parody level of naked gun. It's not. I'm sorry. It, it, it's not at the parody level of scary movie. I literally, I think I found like only a couple of actual parodies in this. Um, where is it? Okay. So um, hitting the Kappa statue and then the people hitting the Kappa statue dying. That's a reference to GMK. Um, they, uh, these kids, well, not kids. I don't know. They're a biker gang or something. They destroy some ta- statues and we're going to kill a dog and Mothra straight up mercs them. Uh, when they had the reporter uh, get burned alive, uh, that is a reference to the original Gojira when the reporter uh, in the tower gets uh, just straight up demolished. You've got the volleyball battle, which is a reference to Godzilla versus the sea monster. I will give it credit that its tagline is 100% a parody tagline, which is King Kong is dead, Godzilla is retired, a new monster is in town. <laughs> With that being said, um, Death Kappa, when I say I want my movie in English dub, I want my movie in English dub. Don't make the white guy narrator still talking Japanese. Okay? Fuck you. I had yeah, to but... actually go and check and make sure I actually turned the subtitles on and didn't fuck up. Yeah, that's part of the spoof, though, because they made the fucking... Everyone else sounds shitty English, and they said, decided, why not make the... Because we always complain about white guys and these kaiju movies anyways, how they sound shitty anyways. So, like, let's just keep the fucking only white guy in this movie sound in a shitty Japanese dub. But how does that work in the Japanese dub? If you're yeah, watching a... the Japanese dub, it, everything's just in Japanese. It would be... 
It would only work in that way if in the Japanese dub they made him talk in English. I, I guess, but no. But the I'm Japanese saying... are the Japanese are also aware, though, of our kind of laughing at their dubbing. So I, I think the fact that they put him in a in because the dubbing was even terrible. Not yeah, just, but he's the know... best dub in the fuck. Like, even if they like his Japanese dub is not good. It's not bad. It's just mediocre. Like, it's not outlandish or anything like that. Yeah, I'm just saying this because Media Blasters actually made this movie, so they were in on the joke, and everyone that was on the dub cast was also in on it, too. Well... They knew it was a spoof. It's the first failing joke for me of many. (laughs) Okay. So now it is in the uh, English dub, and we uh, find out this girl, Hanako, uh, is a failed uh, J-pop idol, and she is going home to go meet her grandmother... But, uh, unfortunately, we've got a bunch of teens who do not give a shit driving around recklessly in a bug, uh, and they commit the worst car, uh, hit and run ever on her grandmother. And they literally get out and they leave, and I'm just like, what are you doing? Do you want, I know what you did last summer in a bunch of shitty sequels? Because this is exactly how you get, I know what you did last summer in a bunch of shitty sequels. (laughs) Very true. True. Yep. (laughs) <laughs> okay. Uh, then we get the uh, white American dude talking to us in Japanese again. He's just basically telling us what a kappa is. Um, it's a fucking mythical creature from Japanese lore that's a mix between a frog and a turtle. And uh, it has a plate on its head. Though when I was growing up, when I read about the kappa, I remember it saying it had a bowl on its head filled with water. And it would die if it ever spilled out all the water. But I didn't bother to go check and see if that was, like, actual lore and they changed it for the movie with the plate or what. Because how do you fight a giant monster when your bowl bowl head is filled with water that you can't let come out? (laughs) Especially when he blows fire. He can literally just evaporate all of it. Yeah, just put saran wrap on the bowl. It's a really, really big piece of saran wrap. That is true. I guess he could get a Tupperware lid. There you go. I'd find, like, a kaiju with a tubbleware head. Um, then we go and um, the... Uh, I can't remember what happens first. If she finds the kappa... Well, it jumps between uh, Kanako leaving out cucumbers and finding the kappa and these teenagers at the beach getting murdered. Uh, now, during the... Uh, when I was telling the uh, overview of the movie... Uh, at first I was like, what are they talking about? Escapees kill these kids. Cause I was like, no, the agents in black and white killed them so they can kidnap the girls. But I guess apparently it wasn't the guys in the black suits. It was the, uh, amphibian reptilian fishy fish that killed Wait, them. You, you thought that one of the men in black dismembered that kid? Yes. 100%. Wow. Hey. <laughs> I thought, I thought so on the, the fish guys. I thought so on the first one, but by the time you start seeing like limbs being splattered out of the car, it's like, oh wait, fish monster. Yeah, okay, I'm just saying monster. I've seen enough Japanese gore flicks to know that they would 100% have someone dismembering someone like that and then be perfectly right. Human. And that's why I thought so at the first time, but then the second time, okay, you start seeing limbs fly out. It's like, oh wait, fish monster. Yeah, yeah. plus they did show the fish guy coming out of the ocean too before that happened. Yeah, I just thought that was the Kappa coming on land. Because well, they he... showed the Kappa in water earlier. 
I thought that was misdirection to make you think the Kappa killed them, but it was actually the agents who were killing them so they could kidnap the girls. Honestly, I never thought that, though. Didn't they show the Kappa throwing around that dummy that looked that was supposed to be one of the kids? No, because that wasn't the Kappa. They want you to think it's the Kappa, but then they show the Kappa is clearly with the girl and not with on the beach killing them. And mm-hmm. so apparently mm-hmm. the people in all black, uh, these, rep, these fish monster in all black, the uh, humanoids from the deep... They uh, are the ones killing everyone, but you can't see them. They look like uh, those stupid costumes that people wear in Halloween that just covers your whole body in just one color. Right. It looks like mm-hmm. they're wearing that, and that's why I thought it was just the FBI agents. Or not FBI agents. They look like FBI agents. Uh, Nazi the agents, Yeah. <laughs> oh, which I'll get into some of the shit they say. Um, <laughs> Another yeah. thing I wanted to bring up before we get past this scene is that um, when our American slash Japanese narrator uh, tells us about the Kappa, he tells us that they're that they're mischievous creatures, not malicious, and that they're somewhat playful. He even calls them amicable. Yet this guy, this one fish monster, just destroys these two guys. So it's like, my question is, did he know that those kids killed his previous guardian? Or, or is he just, you know, you're human, well, no, I don't no. like you. A Kappa did you. not kill those kids. The fish monsters killed those kids, but that fish monster has no relationship to the actual Gappa. Like, it doesn't have Gappa DNA or anything like that. It's just they yeah. created monster Nazi fish monsters. They were inspired by the Kappa. Oh, okay. And they yeah, were looking yeah. to try to, I guess, catch a Kappa so they could experiment on it also. Right, to try to use the Kappa's, you know, amicable qualities to try to make them controllable. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, we're going to revisit this question later on because there's a part B to this question, but it's got to do with uh, later during the fight. Yeah. But we'll, we'll come back to it. All right, fair All right. enough. Uh, so we also get a good look at the, the Kappa, which um, I'm not a huge fan of the suit. Um it looks too much like a mask. Like there's no movement in the eyes. There's no movement in the mouth. Um, you have that a, a problem with a lot of early kaiju movies. But by the 80s and 90s, we had figured out how to make the eyeballs move. And I just don't know why they couldn't do it in this movie. Because they, just... they because they didn't want to. Because they wanted to pay tribute to the movies of early days. That's why they did all that. I like when they paid tribute to Jason Voorhees' pants in part four by getting to the kaiju's, uh, the Kappa's legs and just being like, nah, fuck it, just make him wear pants. <laughs> no, 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 I'm not disagreeing with you. I, You know, I agree with you, it looks shitty and shit, but it was for a reason. It's a, This is a movie that has a lot of mixed reactions with the kaiju uh, fan base in general, so I understand that, Jerry, too. So I'm not saying you're wrong in anything that you're saying either yeah i think once once i realized that this movie was a flat-out parody i started accepting the comedy a little bit more like for the first i don't know half hour i was actually on board thinking that they were taking themselves seriously even through you know the fish monster attack there on the beach and you know some of the really terrible dialogue i i was still kind of on board for this thing being serious it, it wasn't until well w- 
uh, I'll let you know at what point I started to realize that this was a straight up parody. But like I said, once the movie was over and I looked back at that first half hour, I enjoyed it a lot more thinking about it, realizing what this movie was and how self-aware it was. I mean, I don't think these guys remotely were trying to make a serious movie. Oh, I don't think, I don't think they were trying to be serious. I just don't think they made a good parody movie. Eh. Yeah. Some of the parody uh, movie fell flat, but I also think you might have missed some because there's, your, a difference, your, there's a difference between making a parody and just making a shitty movie and then just saying, well, it's a parody. Hold on. I got, Venom, what Very were you true. saying that I, I missed something because of what? I, I was saying that during your list of the three items that you found as parody, there were some other obvious ones that I was kind of surprised you didn't bring up. Uh, for example, uh, uh, the strings on the jets and, you know, all the flying uh, vehicles in this movie with the very obvious strings. I mean, that's obviously parody to early kaiju movies where, you know, they couldn't keep the string off the uh, camera. Uh, so, you know, and also early sci-fi, like 50s and 60s American sci-fi, same thing. Ed Wood movies, you know, with the obvious string. I, to me, that's an obvious parody because you, they didn't you, even make an attempt to hide it. You're right, because there's another obvious parody when they do the the hand puppet mask face battle. Yeah. Um, and, and and But I just, I don't know. They just didn't, it didn't hit well with me because I was just like... You could oh, have done with- a parody while keeping your special effects good and parodied actual events in the movies that you're trying to pay tribute to. Instead, you're just like, hey, we're going to have this obviously fake toy burn, kind of like how they had like obvious fake dummy people burn uh, right. on stage and stuff. It just didn't, I don't know, it just didn't work for me. Like, I understand that uh, Japanese budgets are not very big for movies. I do completely understand that some of their miniature work is very good. Um, but, but some of it is obviously very terrible, too. I yeah, mean, yes. every, everything was action figures. All the people were action figures, which I found hysterical. <laughs> yeah, I just didn't. I, I If you're going to do your parody, if you're going to put something just straight up in my face, like the action figure burning, you got I don't I don't know if there's a good way to do that. Eh, I mean, I put this movie on a par with, um, I don't know if you guys ever saw it, but I, I think it's called the, um, uh, the Lost Skeleton of Calabara, something like yes, that. Yes, yes, yes. That I black have. and white movie. See, that movie, I put it on a par with Death Kappa because it's not quite at the level of a naked gun or a scary movie where the parody yeah. is very, very obvious. But I think if you look really, really deep, there's some parody there and there, there's also some decent comedy. Like I thought, like I said, once I accepted that this movie was a parody, I thought the comedy started hitting a little bit more at that point. Yeah. And I'm totally on board with what you're saying, Jerry. I am 100% in agreement that this movie is nothing like some of those, you know, legendary parody movies like A Naked Gun and, yeah. you know, stuff like that. But it's still. I, I give it its credit because that's what they're obviously attempting to do. They didn't well, attempt to make Gojira, they attempted to make, you know. A naked gun, and you know they failed a little bit here and there. Yeah, they so attempted I'm, I'm... to make Yongri. We got it. Yes, exactly. I'm totally on board with you there. <laughs> yeah, I'm not arguing with you. You know, because it's the whole aspect of yeah, they have shitty masks. They're not hiding the even some of the fucking tank and fucking machine looks like the Gorgon Death Ray looks. When you look close at it, it looks like a fucking flashlight with a fucking orange peeler attached to it. You know, it's just <laughs> fucking. 
it's it's shitty effects, but that's what there's it's like a this movie is like a over the top seventies kaiju movie. You know what I mean? But Even here, like the whole. But here, there's one there's one big difference though. Most of the movies that it's parodying are actually good, well made movies, and the, the effects in this one here just point out that they just had that they just made a shitty movie and called it a parody. Well, you know, yes, the aspect of that too. Yeah, I can't argue with you with that. But the you know, point, I, I think, the point is, is that they intended to make a shitty movie, and exactly. they succeeded. You know what I mean? I don't That's think a, that there was any seriousness whatsoever when they were like the, the pre-production <laughs> for this movie. You know, you know what I mean? I, okay. Yes, this movie's not great. I will fully, you know, admit that. But the point is, I what their what is their intention? Okay, I here's their intention was comedy. I did some research uh, on what the director wanted with this movie. He wanted cool. to pay tribute. He wanted to make a movie that would re-kickstart the kaiju boom. Uh, and that's the reason why I won't sit here and accept they knew they were making a shitty movie. No, they knew they were making a low-budget movie. And yes, did they lean into a lot of... Uh, cheap things in hopes that we will just overlook it as parody and go haha, 100%. But I don't think they were trying to make a shitty movie, and I don't think they believe that they were making a shitty movie. And I don't I, like it, it's it's a parody, and parodies will always fall on both sides. Some people are going to to enjoy it as a parody. Some people are not. And this is definitely a movie, obviously that we is very decisive between us. And I'm mm -hmm. sure as we go on, we'll find more things that we can complain about, but sure. let's go into, um, the, uh, Carmen San Diego trying to steal a Kappa. <laughs> <laughs> uh, exactly what I thought too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they try to steal a Kappa. They're not successful, but they still, uh, Como co, which, uh, I'm really glad she used a bow and arrow because I know this. The American voice actress for her is also the American voice actress for Sailor Mars and Sailor Moon for a lot of different series, uh, like Crystal and R and S. Uh, and Sailor Mars uses a bow and arrow. I don't know if this was intentional or not, but that made me laugh. <laughs> um. So anyway, they don't get the Kappa, but they kidnap Komoko, Komo Kanako. God, I fuck, you know, for someone who wants to do a podcast about Japanese movies, I really suck at pronouncing their names. <laughs> Why did I make this decision? Okay. We now learn what's going on in this movie. Uh, crazy Nazi Carmen Sandiego bondage version uh, informs <laughs> us that her grandfather back in World War II was working on creating fish men by experimenting on humans and the top brass of the government shut her down. Now, for Japanese people, they don't know their history very well. The, the top Japanese military officials would not have shut her down. And if you don't believe me, do some research on Unit 731 and Unit 100 as they did mm -hmm. lethal experiments on humans resulting in deaths of thousands. And fun fact, the U.S. gave those doctors immunity in exchange to learn what they had learned about biological and chemical warfare on human experiments. Thousands of Chinese, Korean, uh, Russian, uh, and some Americans 
and actually kind of surprisingly a few Japanese people oh, yeah. died in horrible fucking ways. It is like if you want if you think like, yes, what the Germans did uh, in World War Two was fucking horrible. The Japanese were not slacking on their war crimes. They walked through China com- committing so much rape and torture. Generals had games to find out who could kill the most people between towns. So uh, they also were very big into taking in sex slaves. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Japan was very much buddy-buddy with Nazi Germany on, on many things. They admired each other, which is weird f- for Germany who thought if you weren't white and blue-eyed and blonde hair that you should die for that they got along with the fucking Japanese very well so one bullshit lady your grandfather was a fucking war hero even to the Americans <laughs> um, but uh, she uh, tells us that they're going to make these fish creatures kind of based off the Gappa but they look more like uh, humanoids from the deep um, they look like the fucking uh, a a horror version of the fish mask worn in Godzilla versus Hedorah during the dance scene. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, Komoko, who is in the, uh, loosest cuffs possible. You can clearly see she could slide her hands out of those. Uh, cause these cuffs were not meant to like hold a person. This is just what, uh, Carmen San Diego would put, uh, Ano in when she whipped him and called him Shinji. <laughs> uh, That's so awesome that he's a Nazi in this. <laughs> yeah, speaking of which, Hideki Ano is here and he's got a goddamn whip and he will make Shinji get into the robot. Uh, now, oh, to... that was... That's him? Yeah, the guy with the he whip. He the reporter. No, no, That's the reporter is, um, what's his fucking name? The other Shinji guy. here, Shinji, uh, Hagaguchi. Yeah. Him. No. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, and he's the guy who uh, directed the Godzilla 90s trilogy. And uh, I, I haven't seen any recent photos of Anno. So, the, yeah, I, I thought Anno was the guy. No, no, that no. Was... Anno was the Nazi with the whip that didn't really oh, talk. Okay. That got shot a bunch of times and they just wanted to show you him getting shot a lot. Okay. Yeah, no, I thought Anno was the reporter that was set on fire. No, no, Anno, uh, and if you don't know Anno, he uh, directed Shin Godzilla. He is the uh, creative mind behind Neon Genesis Evangelion and holds the record for uh, the person suffering from depression the most who does not kill himself. And if you don't understand that joke, you have not watched Neon Genesis Evangelion. <laughs> um. So, also, uh, was that dude that actually, like, did the talking, was that the uh, mutant hero from Final Wars? I didn't look into it, but he looked just like him. It, it, it might have been. I did so, not look. Um, give me three seconds, I can find out. All right, that's how long I last in bed. I make her, <laughs> I make her call me Titanosaurus when I come. <laughs> oh. You know, it's fucking, before we get backtrack, you know how much fucking, how much clearance they had to use all those samples in the beginning of this movie with, like, the fucking, the monster roars and shit? Oh, yeah. Someone sucked someone at Toho's dick. Because <laughs> you can hear, like, Titanosaurus and, like, Angerus and fucking... Yeah. Everybody. 
Toho was already looking at him weird because the monster that shows up later, they're like, why does that look like Titanosaurus except fucking uh, Hippie painted him? <laughs> Which apparently his his paint uh, scheme is from another kaiju that was in uh, it was called, in America. It's called Orochi, the eight headed monster. Uh, mm-hmm. I have not seen that movie. I hear it's really good, <clears throat> but I have not watched it, so not a hundred percent sure. Um, I don't. I would kind of hang out with all these scientists making the fish monster because the sex at that place is probably fucking great. Like that's probably. Charles Manson cult sex worthy. That's like <laughs> Club Vondersex sex. Exactly. Yeah. There's only one chick though, man. She's got to get abused. Oh, <laughs> fucking, she's all of. I would smash that pixelated vagina. She's all. <laughs> she's all in the necrophiliac too, isn't she? I don't care. We'll watch <laughs> Necromantic while she blows me. Oh yeah, pedoph or no? Uh, what do you call it? P- paternal. Uh, necrophilia. Oh God, what the hell is that? That that actually made me throw up in my mouth a little bit. I get. I'm from Alabama, so it's kind of normal for me. <laughs> I mean, I'm all, I'm down with keeping it in the family, but once once the family's dead, walk away. <laughs> nah, we you, no, because once you're done, you can take a piece of the cheek off and eat it like beef jerky. Oh, damn it. <laughs> Uh, Don, have you found out the answer to this yet? I don't know how long I can go destroying my whole mentality here. That's not him. Okay. Well, fuck it. It looked like him. I'm going to call it so too, a parody yeah. and say it's a parody because it looks like him. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, the humanoid from the deep sequel that we need continues as, um, uh, they explain to, uh, that they're doing a holy war or some shit like that. Um, Anno is a really great actor. He his smile looks believable, and I know he probably had to get a lot of training to do that. Um, and when in the face he makes when he's getting shot multiple times is probably the same face he makes when he comes. <laughs> uh, so okay, so shit goes downhill. Kappa shows up. Sumo wrestles the fuck out of all the uh, FBI agents and uh, the Fishman. Um, and, uh, dominatrix Carmen San Diego starts shooting up everybody and everything. Uh, and so she decides that she's going to blow everything up because she has a nuclear weapon that will blow up all of Japan. Okay. This is my main issue with this movie. Like, Oh, my now ma- you have an issue. My, no, my, <laughs> major, no, my major issue with it because from this point on, it's another movie. It feels like they made two fucking movies and 100%. split them together. And what this movie needed is a little description of what the fuck happened. You know what I mean? Yeah, this is the point where you have Mr. Exposition come in and explain what happens. Exactly. This is my, you know, I can shut my brain off for a lot of things, Jerry. But it's like, okay, one, I need A, B, C, you know, and they miss B, you know. (laughs) Well, I don't have an answer to this, but I'll make up one for you. So, originally, this movie was actually going to be a Humanoids from the Deep sequel. Um, and it was going to be the Fishman raping all the Japanese women. And the Kappa was going to show up, played by Ron Jeremy. And uh, he, was go- he was, you know, going to fuck Japan uh, back to freedom from the slavery of the fish monsters. Uh, they uh, lost funding from the pharmaceutical company that was 
paying them because they didn't realize there was fishman rape. And they didn't want to pay the extra money that they were going to have to pay for all the pixelating they were going to have to do in editing. So they were like, uh, build a fucking monster. Just make the Kappa big, build another monster that you have, and and shoot a big fight, one big fight scene. That's all you got to do. And the director's like, but how do we explain how any of that happened? Just fucking uh, uh, blow everything up. It's the American way. Uh, (laughs) So they did. Uh, unfortunately, you're not supposed to tell us that you have a bomb that will blow up all of Japan for it to not only not blow up all of Japan, but to take three door rats, I bet fishmen, combine them together into one monster, uh, make the Kappa super big and now able to shoot Godzilla atomic breath, and somehow save the main girl who is completely unharmed and finds her way on the top of a fucking building? Um, which also makes no sense in how there's three fishmen into one giant monster but yet the kappa grows large i'm gonna assume that the kappa actually killed two of the fishmen and only one fishman survived Hmm. but i've got nothing to back that up i only stuck with all three of them coming together so i could drop a door at reference yeah (laughs) i'll allow it i'm fine with that now that we've got done with all the wacky Japanese movie uh, that became standard affair uh, through the 90s and, and 2000s, um, now that we got the Takeshi Mikie out of our systems, <laughs> let's get to the Kaiju movie. So now we have, uh, and I know this is different than how we normally do, but I, I, I couldn't do this the normal way. Not with this fucking movie. You can watch this movie on YouTube. Just go fucking watch and you'll understand what I'm saying. Okay. So a new monster shows up and I, uh, his name is like Hangulus. Hangulus. Uh, it's, it sounds like what they called Angerus in, uh, the, in, in, uh, the yeah, fire monster version of, of Godzilla Raids again. Yeah, I'm. <laughs> I'm going to assume that's part of the joke. That's it, one of the jokes. Is it racist when the Japanese people make fun of the fact that they mix R's and L's all the time? Is it racist if if they're the ones making the joke? Or is it like me talking about putting mayonnaise on everything? It's probably on a par with that, yeah. Okay, I'm yeah. just making sure because I didn't know if I could talk about it being racist or not. Um, but that's <laughs> They probably racist. make wasabi jokes too. Okay, fair enough. Um, not racist if it's cultural appropriation. No, that is racist. That is <laughs> cultural appropriation is racism. That is oh, like man. what? Uh, okay, hold up. This is not Facebook post by me and Venom uh, right now. Uh, okay, so um, I just want to point out that the dude that hides under uh, a potted plant branches. Uh, <laughs> Was the first joke in this movie that really, really made me laugh. That was good. More people should do that during a kaiju attack. Okay, so. um, uh, All the people are like they're running in front of a drive-in movie screen. Mm-hmm. I want to point that out. Yeah, the green screen's awful. It's not even a green screen. They literally just put up a... a, They went to a drive-in movie theater and (laughs) borrowed that screen, which sucks because 
I was supposed to watch the Monster Squad that night, and I couldn't. I had to watch <laughs> fucking Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, which, why are you playing that? It's January. <laughs> okay. Uh, blah, blah, blah. There was a disconnect. Uh, oh, this new monster is related from Nancy from Nightmare on Elm Street because he never shuts his fucking mouth. <laughs> I had to get that in. Oh, God. Okay. Oh, uh, anyway, there's a huge disconnect in the movie uh, of between the bomb and the kaiju attacking the city. How does the kaiju get here? Did he walk from that cave on the beach to the city? I don't know. Anyone else know? No. Uh, I'm not even sure this is the same city. <laughs> me, uh, I don't. I me either. I kind of assumed it was Tokyo, just because I don't know. Um, it has to be. <laughs> so there's a few ongoing jokes uh, before the Kappa shows up. Um, there's a bunch of army men who try to shoot him, but they they don't shoot him. I didn't think that was that funny. Um, I I kind of I'll admit I chuckled at the first one, but then by the third one it's like the same yeah. joke really. They reuse a lot of jokes. Like, they keep showing this, uh, like, fighter pilot who's wearing make. I, I, I don't know if he's supposed I to be. What the fuck? I was like, what the fuck the first time I see this? I movie? was like, what is Raleigh from Suicide Club doing here? Who invited <laughs> I him it was here? just a kabuki actor that just got out of work and went right to his jet. No, he looked way too transsexual to be a kabuki actor. <laughs> like uh and, and and they do another transsexual joke they they show a scene where like there's a family hiding under a tent watching the news and just randomly there's an old guy in a schoolgirl outfit and a pink wig <laughs> no was explanation was to be a guy though that was 100 percent a dude Okay. I I, no, I understand have, that the actor is a man, but I mean the character was the character supposed to be. I thought I'm it was assuming a man playing a woman in your movie. If you make a man dress up as a woman, and you don't pick like a, a like a very feminine gay man who can pull it off, like Jared Leto, <laughs> then you're trying to make a joke on transsexual. Is what you're doing. I'm assuming that's what you're trying to do, and I'm in. I'm I've watched enough weird Japanese movies to know they love doing the guy in women's clothing who obviously looks like a guy joke. They love it. Yeah, even even like the dub voice of the fighter pilot, they make him sound gay. Yeah. Open uh, fire. They yeah, they have they have no problem uh I think it's doing a that in Japan cultural I, difference, you know, it's like well, it's funny to them, maybe, but it's not funny to us. You know, I, you know, um, I don't get that. Apparently, you haven't seen a lot of Thai movies because that's a fucking. In Asian a, culture, a, uh, I can at least say in Japan, uh, being homosexual while legal, they still don't have rights like getting married or anything. Yeah, yeah. like the Jap. Like I know a lot of people want to go to Japan because they think it's this uh, anime otaku culture. Uh, look into how they run their police. You may change your fucking mind. Uh, when you're guilty there, you're fucking guilty fast. And they don't give a shit if, uh, the evidence proves it wrong. Um, so anyway. Uh, so, uh, Death Kappa officially shows up out of nowhere. His eyes are red. And the fight is basically, if you've ever seen Kaiju Big Battle, the Kaiju Wrestling 
that's basically what this is. They literally just watched Kaiju Big Battle and and just stole all their shit from them. <laughs> or was it the other way around and they copied off them? Because I thought they started up in like 2012 or 13. I'm about to find out because <laughs> I love Kaiju Big Battle and I was pretty I sure knew- that they started in the 90s. And, and <clears throat> they did kind of briefly mentioned that Kappa's fighting style is sumo, so I kind of expected the fight to be very wrestling. It's ironically that the all the wires turned into a, like a giant wrestling ring, you know? Um, like... Kaiju Big Battle had its first match in 1996. Damn! So, uh, I, way I, I older than I thought. Yeah, I thought it was like 2011 or 12. No, they've been around for a while. I have a fucking Kaiju Big Battle DVD sitting on my shelf. I got, I could, and I want to say it's from like 2006. Oh, I'm just saying I first heard of them around like 13 or 14. So I thought there was just like a few years before that. Oh no, they've been around forever. Um, oh. They just the problem is, is, is they they still to this day do not do that good of a job of promoting anything but their live events. Um, they don't do enough mm-hmm. uh, video material. They're very much into it being a, a, a live performance. Mm, uh, that makes sense. Yeah. Like, their attitude is basically uh, Vincent Price and Theater of Blood. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I've seen some of their stuff. Yeah, that's um, pretty accurate. We'll have to cover some Kaiju Big Battle at some point because it's, it's really fun. Sure, man. So, um, they're at one point... The Gappa, the Gappa, god damn it, it's not that fucking other kaiju movie. The Kappa pulls out nunchucks, and all I could think of was Michelangelo going, ah, fellow chucker, eh? (laughs) Uh, So, (laughs) let's get into this battle. How, uh, Derek, how did you like this battle? This fight? I thought it was just pretty fun, you know, especially with like the wrestling ring and shit, and how they use it, and, like the ninja. You know, it's silly, it's goofy, you know, and it goes with like the rest of the fucking movie too. I enjoyed it for what it was. I wasn't like mind-blowingly like a Godzilla epic battle, but it was all right for the tone of the movie. You know what I mean? All right, uh, Venom. What did you think? Uh, like I said, you know, since they gave us that little tidbit about his background in sumo wrestling, I totally was expecting it. Leading up to the fight, I was expecting it to be very wrestling, and I wasn't disappointed. It wasn't so much sumo, uh, so much as professional wrestling, but, I mean, it's not a great fight. I'm not going to sit here and say that it goes down in, you know, history as a great kaiju battle, not by any stretch, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, like Derek said, considering the tone of the movie, considering, you know, what the filmmakers were going for, it works for me. It's not an A-plus battle by any stretch, but it works. I, I, I would probably give it like a B at okay. best. Mm. Don, what did you think? I'm right there with Derek. Um, I think, you know, like he says, it's the tone of the film at that point. You know, it's just gone full on bizarre and goofy and silly. And it, to me, the only thing that really would have made it like... I would have said it was the best thing about this movie if one of the costume, if the costume rips like one second and then like two seconds later it's back and it's completely fixed. <laughs> that would have been a good parody thing they should have done. That if you would have done that, I would <clears throat> proclaim that like the best part of the movie. <laughs> I, did, I did like the callback to Ultraman though. Like they, 
like in the later episode we'll get to like uh, that's one of the characters. actually what i was going to say is what i think about their fighting i think ultraman they they 100 yeah. like very yeah. much did a more ultraman fight with using actual like uh it didn't feel like a like a toho kaiju fight it felt like an ultraman kaiju fight yep mm-hmm. um so uh death capital wins um i don't remember how uh <laughs> uh and then starts going crazy destroying the city Conoco shows up some fucking how pours water on top of his head uh and all's okay um it it just it it fucking ends. Now, um, there's a song in this that soothes the cap of soul. When <laughs> you look me in the eyes, Venom, and you promise me that you will bleed on the beach next to the seahorses or some shit, I believe it. I wear my panties again that day, which makes me go one: Why is that in the song? And two. <laughs> Do you not wear your panties most days? Like, I feel like if you didn't wear your panties, you would have been a more successful J-pop idol. Maybe <laughs> more of a AV idol, but, you know, yeah, who doesn't yeah. like a, a, a jab video every once in a while? Mm-hmm. As long as the song reassures me that tomorrow will be tomorrow, I'm totally on board. Yeah, I was I'm real concerned about that. And and <laughs> tell me that things are lucky and things are happy. Tell me about a rainbow and tell me more about you bleeding on the beach. <laughs> you tell this girl had some issues when she was writing this song. <laughs> yeah, I love she's... how she had to point out by the seashore cuz there's beaches at other places. Yeah, yeah, not a beach on a lake, okay? Not a river a beach, beach at a seashore. I, yeah, the song is terrible. Uh, and who let that grown ass adult wear fucking uh, like? Okay, this is a parody that I, I that I should have pointed out that I didn't because I didn't think about it till now because I was gonna make fun of them. But they actually have a grown adult wearing the style of clothing that kids in the seventies in Japan wore: the suspenders and the short shorts and the fucking ugly bowl haircut, <laughs> like. Like, I was like, how do you look like a pedophile and his victim at the same time? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I just, I don't fucking understand. Uh, So, okay. With that being said, we went through the movie. Now, now I'm going to go through and and do our normal thing a little bit. Probably a little bit shorter since we've already kind of talked about it. But, Derek, what did you like about this movie? Like I said, it it's a parody in itself with like the aspect of what time period it, it feels like a very seventy style, not just Godzilla kaiju film or like you know Gamera kaiju. It mixes all seventies kaiju logic, even like the bizarre like fish fucking story. You can see like maybe some fucking uh, like a maybe toned down version of it in like a normal seventies kaiju movie. You know what I mean? So. That aspect, I like that aspect of it. They tried to get the feel of a 70s kaiju film and just amp it up to, like, 900, you know what I mean? All right. Venom, what did you like? 
I liked that Igor was able to escape um, from Dr. Frankenstein and get himself a job as a janitor at the train station. <laughs> I thought yeah. I thought that's really progressive thinking of the of the train management to give Igor a second chance. So yeah, I'm right on board with this movie. Yeah, I, and I like that they got his his friend Scarface a job too. He was there stalking. That was good. That old Japanese guy is all right. He's not that bad of a dude. Uh, Don, what did you think? What do you? I mean, what did you like? For me, I kind of actually did enjoy the like fantasy, like whimsy, the whimsical tone of the the first half when it wasn't actually trying to be a parody. I wouldn't have minded like a full length film where we follow Kanako like learning how to be a Kappa guardian and like running around with a creature, learning how to care for it and stuff like that. I mean, I wouldn't have. You know, may not have been that good, but I wouldn't have minded based on what we saw there because I, I was kind of into it at that point. That's, you know, it's not really like parody. It's just, you know, like a light whimsical, like fantasy kind of. And yeah, yeah I wouldn't have minded seeing like a little more in-depth look at that part of the film. Yeah, so. but you know, at some point the the cab is going to walk in on her banging herself with a cucumber and he's going to get real confused. Right, yeah, that's kind of like one of those things where it's like some of that you want to see, and then there's that other parts where you're kind of not really sure. I'd watch it. I don't care what you think yeah. of me. Uh, it makes sense, too. Oh, it wasn't my bad. Don, it makes sense, too, because when you think about it, when it's the producers of Tokyo Gore Police and Machine Girl, it could have went that way, too. It definitely right. could have. The yeah. first half of this movie feels in par with Tokyo Gore Police and Meatball Machine. Um, right. And that's what I like most about this movie. Fuck the kaiju in this movie. Tell me more about Nazi Fishman. I want to <laughs> see the fucked up splatter film version of Humanoids from the Deep. And this movie teased me with it and I want more. Give me more Bondage Carmen San Diego making Nazi Fishman. I want that movie, damn it. Um, I just want Kanako. So I'll you can have Kanako. <laughs> I, get, I get Carmen San Diego. I'll take Kanako too, since she doesn't wear panties by the seashore. Yeah, y'all. Yeah, but yeah, then you're always gonna be like, "Hey, babe," and you're gonna give her a kiss, and you're gonna be like, "God damn it, did you give the Kappa a blowjob again?" <laughs> Listerine, bitch, Listerine. Uh, so now let's go around. What did we not like about this film, Derek? Okay, two major things. One I already stated. It feels like two movies, and it didn't connect well with the aspect of transition to the other movie, like I said. And some of the humor I do not get, because it's probably just a cultural thing. Like, you know, like the transgender fighter pilot and some small things like that. But that's about it for me, you know? Maybe he was just a, in a visual Kai band. Maybe, maybe. You never know. But, you know, some of the humor is falls flat also. Some of it I guess, some of it I don't, but... Yeah, that's about it. All right. Uh, Mr. Venom, what did you hate about this movie? I hated that um, our narrator established the mythology that Kappa are mischievous. They're not malicious. He even flat out called them uh, amicable creatures. Yet as soon as Kappa was done dispatching with Hangulus, he just turns around and just starts destroying the city anyway for no reason. But that's because his plate was dry. Uh yeah. yeah, plus I think the radiation also did something to him. I think they actually said yeah. that in line of dialogue. It dried his plate. When? 
<laughs> uh, yet the ocean's right there next to you. Nah, let me destroy this city. We don't know that the ocean's right next to him because they don't tell us how far this city is from the beach cave. Well, at the end of the movie, they show Kappa walking away, and that's the ocean. So. Ah, I guess I fell asleep during that part. Uh. <laughs> uh, and thanks, Satan, for that. Um, Don, what did you not like about this movie? The special effects. I don't care if this is a parody. That the special effects in here are just outright terrible. I'm gonna give Hangulus a pass because I like his design. I think he's kind of cool looking. Mm-hmm. I think he's got a cool design, and I would have liked to have seen more of him. That Oriental dragon stuff just looks really good on a costume, but the rest of it, it just looks terrible. And I don't care if it's a parody or not. The original movies were not poorly made. So to make poorly made special effects and say it's a parody, I don't get that. So Okay. Uh, the biggest thing I didn't like about this movie, this movie was a parody and it was supposed to restart the Kaiju era. And you want to know why it didn't? Lack of fan service. You know what? If I'm going to watch a Japanese movie, give me a panty shot. Don't sing about it in a song. Fucking do it. Man up. <laughs> Show me some panties. This movie could have brought Kaiju into the new world with fucking titties. And it didn't. Um, <laughs> an adult-themed Kaiju film? I would watch an adult-themed Kaiju film. It doesn't have to be adult-themed. Just have a shower scene or randomly let me see up a dress or something. I, I mean, all I'm saying is, is that I don't like this movie. And so instead of brutally talking bad about it, I thought I would bring up uh, that it didn't have any fan service. Fair enough. Okay. Yeah. Um, Does anyone have anything else they want to say about this movie or the kaijus or anything like that? No. Raise your hand. I can't see you, but raise your hand. No. Like I said (laughs) before, like this movie is very mixed. So I understand like if the aspect of if something you guys didn't like or, you know, I'm okay with this one because of the way it is. So good talk, guys. Good talk. I paid $5 (laughs) for this Blu-ray and it came with a slip cover. Um, so I'm not mad about spending five dollars. I've spent five dollars on I've spent more than five dollars on way worse, like the witch. Um uh, Jesus. <laughs> what? Um and uh I will I ever watch it again? Maybe right before I kill myself. Um it'll be my suicide note. Uh, Hideki Anno would be uh, happy about it. Okay, so uh, with that being said, we are about to get into the Ultraman Report. So today we take on Episode 9 of Ultraman, Operation Lightning Speed. Uh, This came out on September 11th, 1966. Alright, so uh, overview of this one is when a uranium-eating monster disrupts efforts to rebuild a village after a tropical storm, the science patrol intervenes. Uh, So we open up with a storm. This is Typhoon 13. Uh, And uh, we see that it is uh, affecting a camp where we have a kid named Toshino. I like to call him Tostino's. Because he's tasty like pizza to the sleepaway camp cook. 
Especially with those short shorts and those hats they wear. Oh, damn, that sleepaway camp is just looking around. Uh, around here, we call them baldies. Oh, like the red fedora and the short shorts. Oh, I bet they taste like popcorn. Uh, that impression's way too good for comfort. <laughs> I is. practice it a lot. Uh, I just what I do is I go to elementary schools and I just stand at the fence and I practice it. Uh, I mean, I don't do that. Uh, so it <laughs> seems like their reserve food disappeared in the storm. Uh, so they're gonna clean up the storm in their fedoras and short shorts. Um, and I had a joke about what kind of pedo dresses these kids, but I ended up talking about sleepaway camp. So Tostino and another kid end up going to town to try to get some food. Uh, elsewhere in town, there are strange vibrations from under the earth that are pushing, <laughs> that are pushing repairs of the town back by two hours. Oof. And you know how them Japanese are about their time. Mm. I don't know if mm-hmm. you've ever seen Gamma versus Gauss, but uh, they're about that time. Okay, they will not be pushed back on schedule. <laughs> so, uh, well, guess what? A monster shows up, and everyone already knows who it is. It's Gabora. He owes me $10. We talk to him all the time. He hangs out with Frank down at the fuck fish market. Uh, so if you're asking yourself, hey, why do they all already know who this monster is? I have an answer for you. Um, uh, initially... Pagos from Ultra Q was set to be the monster of the episode. However, because a new monster was demanded, Gabor was created instead. Uh, many uh, remnants. That is not how you spell that. Anyway, uh, a lot of Pagos traits are recycled into Gabor, such as the monster being radioactive, its hunger for uranium, uh, and that the suit to make Gabor was also used to make Pagos. Obviously, that is Baragon. And uh, we've already seen him previously as both Naranga and Magular. Yeah, yes. Baragon's kind of a slut. <laughs> been around or he's a just while. a cheap. Or he's just a cheap actor. Give I me a boo. It's actually Give funny. Me... It's actually funny you say that, Tom. Because uh, uh, do you, you guys ever hear of the sketch show Monster Island Buddies on YouTube? Uh, <laughs> is that the one that does toys? Yes. Yeah. Paragon's actually a cheap actor in that show. <laughs> yeah, that's parodied. Those are, I think that was originally parodied in... Um, they mention it in this uh, serial I used to read back in the day, like in the late 90s um, in G-Fan. There's a serialized uh, storyline in there called The Gamera Autobiography. And they mentioned that Baragon was one of the cheap actors of this kaiju back in the day because for Parasaki, he'd lend himself out to Ultraman and he'd get brutalized on the show for nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, based on actual facts. Um, So Gabora kind of looks like one of those skull monsters from Skull Island, except fat. He looks like Angaris and the Demigorgon had a baby. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Um... So anyway, he's attracted to the uranium mines in Salt Valley. The science patrol team informs us he feeds on radioactive material. So they're going to get ready and go out there. And all Hoshino makes fun of them for taking too long. Well, you know what, Hoshino? They're fucking adults. And they have to make sure that everything's done properly because they have jobs and responsibilities, you lazy bum. 
<laughs> that's why your sister's unmarried because she has to take care of you. <laughs> I am not projecting at all. Um, so the, they go to a council city meeting and this mayor is pissed because you know what? You can't stop Gabor with paper. That's 100% true. I mean, I don't know. You could try to give him a paper cut and see how that would work. It hurts really bad on me. Um, yeah, I actually got one the other day, and it's still kind of irritated me. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. So instead, they use fire to stop him. But while they use fire to keep him from getting to the place with all the radioactive material, they kind of accidentally send him in the way of a boys' camp. So, um, uh, Arashi's like, you know what? Fuck this. Let me get my shrap, and let's drive by on this motherfucker. I ain't playing no more motherfucking gangs. Bang bang, motherfucker! But uh, they're like, uh, yeah, his skin is five times tougher than steel, Arashi. Your pea shooter's not gonna do shit. So I instead, try, they're goddamn. yeah. So instead, <laughs> they're gonna bring radioactive uranium out and use that as bait. So uh, they get into the helicopter uh, where they find um, Fuji and Hoshino have snuck aboard. Fuji, your brother's a bad influence on you. You're a member of the science patrol. You could have just been like, I'm going along. Okay. Exactly. You know. It's not like it's the seventies and they would have told you to get back in the kitchen. Oh wait. <laughs> um, so they passed the two kids, Toshina and Takashi. And, uh, they're like, yo, we have to figure out a way to get them down. But Gabor is shooting shit at them. Uh, so, but they, they still Hayata drops down, drops Fujin, Hiroshi off so they can warn the boys. Uh, the monster has now opened its pedal to reveal the ugliest face I have ever seen. It looks like <laughs> the body of Baragon has the head of Russian vodka Gamera. That looks uh, like my ex-girlfriend. What? <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's fucked up. Uh, so, uh, and Gabor's aim's getting a little bit better now that the pedal's uh, are out of his face, and he shoots the helicopter, and it crashes. But, of course, Hayata is able to escape, grab the beta capsule, and get out of the way just in time to turn into Ultraman, which means let's go to Don for the Ultraman fight breakdown. Alrighty. Advancing on the flaming helicopter wreckage, Gabora notices Ultraman standing before him, and they square off. They begin grappling, where Ultraman throws him to the ground, and as Gaborah tries to right himself, Ultraman leaps onto his back and tries to right him. Bucking Ultraman off, Gaborah throws him into a hillside and attempts to fire his breath, but misses, allowing Ultraman to land a flying kick at the monster, sending it backwards. Rushing in, Ultraman grabs, in, grabs and removes one of the fringes around Gaborah's neck. Charging again on the distraction, he removes another neck fringe before finally succeeding with Hoshino's encouragement, which allows the staggering monster to walk into a series of right hands by Ultraman. With the monster staggering still, Ultraman flips him to the ground one more time, and after struggling to right himself, Gabora collapses lifelessly, allowing Ultraman to stand tall. I almost held in all the laughter, Don, when you said an Ultraman tries to ride him. I know. <laughs> I could hear it. <laughs> I, I, w I was okay with it. It kind of turned me off. <laughs> I wish it would have gone a little bit longer. Give me a few seconds of that fucking Bronco. Damn. 
Yeah, I thought the fight was okay. It was pretty brutal with him ripping off fucking dude's pedals like that. Yeah. Like, damn, homie, did you really need to do that? Um, okay. So, with that being said, uh, they get all the kids back to uh, their camp safely. And these two kids know that Hiata is a lying motherfucker. They know something's up. They're not going to tell, but they they know something's up. I just want to point that out. Um, so anyway, that's the end of this episode. Uh, so as always, how did you guys like it? Derek? I liked it. You know, there's just some few clunky things that happened with it. Like, I kind of died laughing when the helicopter fucking, when it was landing, hit the fucking uranium. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know, it's like, is it going to blow up? You know, like, fuck. But, uh, you know, it was a fun episode. The fight was cool. It had some brutal parts to it. Uh, I think it could have went on maybe a little bit longer, but as the length of these episodes, of course, doesn't hold that. But, you know, I had fun with it for what it was. I, didn't, I, can, I think the weakest part was all the kid shit, unless they were playing, like, the meatball song. Meatballs. But, yeah, that's about it for me. All right. Uh, Venom. Um, I enjoyed this episode. Um, you know, I'm a little slow in the head, so this one this one was nice and easy to follow. I had no problems with any of the human characters this time around. Um, I enjoyed the uh, design on uh, Gabora. Um, I thought the fight was fairly brutal with Ultraman basically circumcising Gabora. That was that, that was pretty awesome. I, for whatever it's worth, I had a lot of fun with this one. Not a favorite by any stretch, but uh, I thought we ju- we got just enough Science Patrol, and uh, you know we we got that future Pimps of America club, so that was pretty cool. Um, <laughs> I, no one no one has addressed those hats yet. Come on, those hats were epic. I mean, we brought up the fedoras like three times, but we just said them in a child sexual sexual way <laughs> maybe i just naturally filter out all the child sex maybe that's probably a good idea uh, yeah. like how much of the camp is uh fucking uh charging for those fedoras you know really man it couldn't <laughs> possibly come with tuition oh uh, I, I did wonder why did uh toshio's hat not have the little yellow rope around it did you notice that he had the same fedora but it didn't have the yellow rope I did not notice that, but I know he was like second in command. He was like the, he was in charge of the boys. He was the boy in charge of the boys. He was like the the older, yeah, the older guy, he was like the the troop leader, but then that, that guy there, he was kind of like the second in command. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. I'll go with that. All right. (laughs) Uh, Don, what did you think? Yeah, um, this is another really fun one. Um, it's a pretty straightforward, simple, you know, to the point episode. I do think the fight is a little like it just ends abruptly. There's like no ray power again. Like Ultraman doesn't like throw the specium ray, so mm-hmm. it just kind of it ends like a little abruptly. It's like okay, well he rips the appendage off and flips them, and then it's like bam, he's done. So, yeah, it kind of ends abruptly, but I don't have too many other issues with it. I think it's actually kind of cool that we see the Science Patrol actually succeeding in their job. So that way, you know, it's kind of like, well, why do they keep them around if all they do is just get their shit trashed every episode? It's like, (laughs) 
you know, they kind of have to have, you know, like a little momentary battle. Like they actually divert the monster away from the village like they are supposed to. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that's kind of fun. And, you know, it's a nice little action scene. You've got, you know, Gaborah up against the miniature tanks with the flamethrowers. Which, you know, those things are going to be death in the real world if they actually had a flamethrower that's big enough to shoot shoot that big. So it's kind of like, well, why don't they just take over the world with those things? <laughs> that's true. Um, yeah, I like this episode. It was just a quick, fun little romp. Um, it didn't feel slow. It didn't, I, I, at no point was I like, annoyed or anything like that like this is just was just a solid episode nothing special to make it stand out but it gets the job done and that's what i like in my ultraman um though i do feel like if you have too many if you were watching the series like back to back to back Mm -hmm. these kind of if you have too many of these standard kind of episodes they would really kind of fall but luckily for us we get to spread them out yeah, this yeah. is like a, yeah, this is like a, a perfect like one or two episodes, just kind of like comfort food things. This isn't like a binge episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you want, yeah, I would say you know if you're into like just having like a you know a comfort food episode, like you know you just want to sit back, relax, unwind, not have like a really difficult episode to follow and really like think about, then you know this is like one of the better ones. But it can get lost in the shuffle if you're doing like a marathon. You see like you know t- like four or five of the same thing right after another. Yeah. So, all right, guys. Uh, now that that's over with, uh, obviously next episode we'll be doing another Godzilla episode. Uh, it's it's time to to do another Godzilla movie. Uh, no clue what we're doing yet, but I would like to propose something. I would like I to would... do Godzilla 2000 because. I am going to meet Tsutomo Kitagawa. Him, uh, <laughs> who plays a Millennium Godzilla, Godzilla, and I'm going to meet Ben Furuya. Furuya. Yeah, who plays Ultraman. So <laughs> I, I, I have, um, I've got a VHS of Godzilla 2000 I'm going to get signed, and I've got an Ultraman VHS I'm going to get signed. And uh, I'm really excited about this. So if you are going to be at Days of a Dead Atlanta... This coming weekend, uh, the 25th, yeah, 25th through the 27th, Kenneth and I, uh, Kenneth from Kill the Cast, we will be there. Hit me up. Um, this should go out like a few days before the actual event, so maybe you'll hear it beforehand or you'll hear it afterwards. I don't know. So uh, how do you guys feel about doing Godzilla 2000? Can I force this one on you? Yeah, it's been a while since I watched that one, so I'll, I'll revisit it. Yeah, yeah, twist my arm. Yeah, fuck him, yeah. All right. <laughs> So, well, if we have to. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm so sorry that I make you guys watch kaiju movies and Ultraman episodes. I'm the worst. <laughs> hey, hey, I made you watch Death Cap, Jerry, so it's just as right that I, we get to do one of your picks. That next. reminds <laughs> me. I found out that there are more movies in the Executive Koala series that involve other weird things uh, doing everyday jobs. <laughs> so uh derek I, I i forget what they are off the top of my head but uh yeah you need to look into that because it's a thing they did like two other movies one of them uh, involves something being a soccer player or some shit oh my god I uh, this. yeah it's I like fucking weird shit yeah it's weird so uh <laughs> that's a thing um so before we get out of here uh it's now promotion time where we can quickly go over what we're doing 
Uh, once again, we'll make Venom go last because he'll tell us 20 things. Uh, <laughs> Derek, what you got going on? Hopefully, knock on wood, like Jinx did the last time. I Cinema just Attack punched going, my dick for you. Yeah, I, Cinema Attack will be going forward. Uh, it was just something came up. You know, shit comes in your life and shit. This is just a hobby for all of us. So, you know, I just fucking do it with that aspect. I, I don't push anybody to do what they don't want to do and they can't do it at that time. So... That being said, it'll be coming next week. We're going to try to record. And uh, also, of course, Underwater Kaiju, uh, Outer Space, Visions from Monster Land. And also, another shout out, I've been guesting on Mr. Venom's other show, No More Room in Hell, uh, lately. So check out those episodes I've been doing with them. Fun times, especially that Burial Ground episode. (laughs) Oh, God. That was fun. Uh, Yeah, um... I do understand if you guys don't know, uh, scheduling is the bane of podcasters' existence because you could be all ready to go, and then literally, like the day before, your special guest drops out, and then the next day, someone loses internet for three days, and <laughs> you can't fucking. There's nothing you can do about it. Literally nothing. Exactly. Um, like. Or like- uh, go something ahead. happens in the family or something yeah. like that. So There's happens. nothing you can do. Last weekend, we were supposed to record Horror Coliseum Volume 7. And literally, we record on Sunday night. Saturday morning, everyone was good to go. By Saturday afternoon at like 6 o'clock, uh, the guest had to drop out for emergency. And then we were going. We were trying to decide if we were going to uh, go on without him, get a, get a backup really quick. Uh, shout out to Mike Merriman who couldn't do it because he uh, had to record some stupid fucking podcast with Jerry <laughs> Cortez. Uh, fuck that guy. Um, really? Yeah. Uh, and then it didn't even matter because Kenneth's internet went out and he didn't get it back till Monday. Uh, so um, the point is sure. Horror Coliseum Volume 7, uh, Friday the 13th Part 7, The New Blood, and A New Nightmare will be recording, uh, I think, like, the first weekend of February. And guest replacement has happened, so it will actually be Watson from Horror Corridor joining us instead of Brandon from Exploding Heads because he had some shit he's got to deal with. So much love to him. Make sure he gets all his shit settled. Uh, We replaced him with Watson. So I'm excited for that because I fucking love Watson. And um, I I had, like, him and JP fighting, like, a little mini mud pit. (laughs) <laughs> kind of sorta I, I i'll i'll be rooting for watson but that's because i love watson like the night i called him to ask him to be on the show we ended up talking for like two hours about just all kind of random shit um so anyway that's gonna happen uh underwater kaiju from outer space will uh be going back to its once a month uh scheduling now that uh, it's the new year and i don't think i have anything else going on at this time Except for we'll soon be done with Horror Coliseum, Freddy vs. Jason, and we'll get to uh, dive back into some more regular stuff. Uh, we'll take a small break from the Horror Coliseum format, and then we'll go back to it in whatever fucking shit we do. With that being said, Don, what have you got going on? All right. Uh, um, we are finally at the end of our uh, run of 2018 prep shows on um, my other show, The Horror Mafia. 
We've uh, gotten everything done and in order, and uh, we are in the process now of recording our best of 2018 show. Yeah. You hear that, Horror Mafia? You're the other show, okay? <laughs> His heart lies with Kaiju. I've always said Godzilla means more to me than horror, so. There you go, bitches. Yeah. Viva <laughs> la resistance. Yeah, so, um, yeah, we're um, in the process of recording that one. It should be probably we've uh, either recorded it uh, last night or uh, maybe tonight by the time you hear this because depending on when our schedules align, we'll be able to record that. Um, and then after that, uh, who knows? We'll probably start watching other stuff again because we're done with 2018 prep. So, yeah, that's uh, about all I have there. Sweet. All right, Venom, go ahead. All right. Well, uh, the horror cast is finally back. Recently, I they think released. Every time we do this, since it's once a month, you say y'all are finally back. <laughs> well, yeah. Sadly, I mean, we're having the same kind of scheduling issues. Uh, yeah. Life, life's been hard for a couple of the hosts on the horror cast. So, well, you know, what? when you have a logo that badass, the fucking <laughs> uh, Jack Lantern with the guitar. yeah, the Jack Lantern playing guitar with Freddie's glove, which by the way would not work. There's no way you're playing a guitar with razor <laughs> fucking fingers. Not happening. But uh, at, good at logo. MTM guitar strings. Oh, oh, okay, sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I totally agree. Awesome logo. Uh, I wish I could give a shout out to the artist, but I don't know his name offhand. Uh, I'm sure Mark Nato would, so I'll have him do it on the next show. But anyway, like I said, episode 50, 50 of Scary Movie Mo- Moments just came out uh, last week. Yeah, y'all just copy and pasted Bravo's 50 Scariest Moments, right? Oh, hell no. Hell uh, no. I would. That's what I would have done. Fuck it. <laughs> I would have taken the easy way out. No, this was uh, this was voter, uh, excuse me, uh, listener voted, and also the hosts uh, also voted on it. So it, it was fairly even. Um, we agreed with a lot of it. We didn't agree on some of it. It turned out to be a really fun episode, um, and it's only one top fifty list, you know, with everybody voting on it. So it's not like uh, it's not an epic six hour episode like Exploding Heads. So don't worry about that one. Okay. Um, <laughs> which I absolutely loved, by the way. But that's yeah. another story. Um, and then for our next episode of the horror cast, we're going to be discussing, uh, Halloween 2018 and the exorcist three. That should be a fun little conversation. Not sure if we have a guest lined up yet, but how did you get to that combination? Those were Mark Nato's choices. So you'd have to speak to him about it. (laughs) Mark Nato, what drugs are you on? Like what? Like who was sitting around just going, you know, I'd really like to talk about fucking, uh, Exorcist 3 in Halloween 2018. That seems really good. I'm just going to eat this mushroom real quick. <laughs> Your the impression Jimmy is H- terrible. But... The Jimi Hendrix star is playing. Dan, Dan, Dan. I, I didn't want to do an actual like <laughs> voice of him just because <laughs> I wanted it to be clear that I'm joking. Uh, he does not actually do drugs. Please don't check his basement. No. There's no bodies down there. Nothing like that. Okay. There are no. bodies down there. <laughs> anyway, so what else are you doing? Uh, let's see. Um, one of my other podcasts, Beneath the Zenith, is going to be back this month in January. We should be getting together with uh, all the co-hosts. And uh, not sure what we're discussing quite <sighs> yet, but uh, hopefully the episode will be out um, end of January, beginning of February. Uh, we're going to go with a once a month schedule on that one, too. So it's hopefully a good we can way keep to go. 
Plus, yeah. with, a, with a show like that, like with how much research you have to put into it, yeah, exactly. It really yeah, does. Every two like, weeks just doesn't make sense. Uh, I've been deep diving into a lot of um, conspiracy theories and cover-ups, uh, bouncing from everything from government-related to aliens-related to like um, uh, Dilatov past kind of stuff, fucking uh, uh, reptilians and fucking all kind of skinwalkers and shit. And I can tell you, man, it, like if I was doing shit like that, it would have to be once a month just because I would need so much time to properly do research because you scratch the top, like just the surface of one thing. And then you figure out five hours later why the show was called beneath the Zenith. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. So anyway, yeah, uh, thank you for that, by the way. But yeah, hopefully uh, Beneath the Zenith will be back sooner than later. Uh, Theme Warriors, next episode of Theme Warriors that I do with Mike Merriman and a couple of other guys. uh, That should be, we're recording in the next week. Uh, The theme for that episode is Redemption Stories. So we figured New Year, let's see what kind of Redemption Stories we can talk about. You're going to do Gamera the Brave. (laughs) Not even remotely, but (laughs) good call. One of the uh, only two Gamera movies I've never seen. Nice. Oh. I've never seen it either, actually. Yeah. Nope. Interesting. Uh, let's see. Back to my list. We've got No More Room in Hell, which I do with Mike Merriman. list. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I have to have a list. And I actually am reading off a list because I will forget one or two of these oh if my it's God. not written down in front of me. <laughs> um, and then we have our sister podcast, which is, of course, No More Room in Hell presents Fresh Cuts, where we only discuss brand new films that have on- that have been released, you know, in the last week or two. Our latest episode, uh, we're going to be obviously discussing Glass, which came out this past Friday. We're going to record that tomorrow night, and that should be an interesting. Did he just die? Vision between the horror community on this one. Did who just die? You. You said we're recording this Friday, and and then it went out completely. It did. Oh, did it? I, no, I didn't notice. I'm not playing with my mic. Uh-huh. No, it was like your internet like died on you. Yeah, I think your internet died out because if if Derek and Don heard it also, huh? That's weird. Then it's your own damn fault, Venom. That's fine. Okay. <laughs> I'm just glad it wasn't me this time. <laughs> Same here. That's weird because nothing changed over here. My, sc- I was staring at my screen. Nothing changed. My mic didn't flash. Yeah, yeah. Be all right. it, that's that's great. It's Skype. Yeah, it's a great <laughs> thing about the way I record. I don't have to worry about it because my voice will always come through because I'm directly recording. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. Um, nice. All right. So you're going to be doing glass. Is that the end of your list? Um, and yeah, and then Rad Radio with Mark Nato back on the scene. Rad Radio should be back sooner than later, but there's nothing planned yet. So look out on the horizon for that one. All right. I think I'm most excited for Beneath the Zenith to come back. Yeah. Um, Because I'm super deep into that shit right now. Uh, I've been, I I need something a little lighter. I recently started (laughs) digging through fucking, uh, not only the Japanese war crime shit, uh, but I was looking through, uh, uh, the Franklin cover-up and MK Ultra, and yes. uh, this uh, world's fucked up. Yes, like I was looking into real life shit, and it's fucking awful. Um, everything is just awful. Why can't we just like watch Bigfoot eat a Subway sandwich and everything be okay? <laughs> Doesn't happen that way. Uh, I will I say watch. this: 
movies, man. Because yeah. <laughs> I don't want to hear about. Movies. I I can't wait for Beneath the Zenith to come back. I really want a guest spot on Beneath the Zenith. Uh, I don't know what topic for, um, but that's just my kind of jam. So cool. Uh, I will fucking explain all of you how the reptilians are using the Illuminati to restart the New World Order to take us all over because the fucking plebeians and the fucking greys, and I'm talking about the real greys, not the small greys that invade us because them, them, they're not even real fucking aliens. They're fucking cyborgs that the actual greys made and they're trying to fucking make hybrids with us because they're fucking, they figured out they're cyborgs. And they're trying to fucking be real now. So they're coming down here. They're putting implants in us to figure out our biology and our chemistry uh, so that they can eventually uh, figure out how to turn uh, their uh, cyborg bodies impregnate us, which is why they had to anally probe us. Uh, they, they got the wrong fucking hole. It happens, okay? You weren't your perfect the first time you lost your virginity either. So don't judge them. And... Where was I going? <laughs> Reptilians are taking over. Uh, oh man, dude, you dropped your foil cap. Uh, it's a it's a foil pirate hat. Okay. Oh, very sorry. Uh, Cause I got it at the Atlantis gift shop because I've been to Atlantis. You have to go through a black wormhole that's covered in yellow electric mist and the Bermuda Triangle. <laughs> oh, where did it all go wrong? I had to watch Death Kappa. That's how it went all wrong. Anyway, Uh, we love you. Uh, Thank you for joining us. These have been our visions from Monsterland. Uh, We are out. We will see you next time as we look at what Toho did to bring back Godzilla in the year 1999 because the year 1998 was so fucking bad that they had to burn everything down and turn his fucking... Spinal fins purple. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. <laughs> we love you. Uh, keep destroying all those monsters, and we will see you next time on Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space. <laughs>